Execute. I don't know why I keep saying that. It just, it's so awkward. It, I mean, it, it's just so awkward. Like, you just have to say it, right? Let's fly. I mean, which one is more awkward? Execute. I mean, but then he also was like, you could try hit it. You could maybe hit it. Hit it. <laughs> quit it. Hit it. Quit it? So you said quit it, quit it. <laughs> hit it and quit it. Oh Lord, everyone, welcome to another adventure of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me is uh, well, two of my friends, as usual, Lieutenant Commander Eric and Lieutenant Commander David, but I'm getting a little worried about David for some reason. No, I am I'm here to debut a new title. You know, I, I may or may not have been an ensign first officer last year, mm. and then I settled back on the lieutenant commander. But now, I am president, David, mother of dragons, tamer of dragons, non-truster of Michael Burnham, but slightly manipulating Michael Burnham because we secretly like her. Listen, the president is out there to slay, and we all need to find bigger titles. Okay, I'm just starting it off. <laughs> well, thank you, P Lieutenant Commander, President, F Ensign, First Officer, yep. Mother of Dragons, Mother of Dragons, Fogel, Slayer of yep. Dragons, Slayer, yep. of Tamer of them, right. Tamer of Navarre. You know, it's it's all good. It's first of his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've uh, we have our obligatory Game of Thrones reference out of the way, how you two been doing? How you been doing, David? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I have an entirely new setup for this uh, particular show. I got a little worried uh, as I was coming on. Uh, Chase couldn't hear anything. I was like, "Oh no, I've messed something up." <laughs> and then it was his fault. So no, I felt pretty good. Uh, I got everything set up nicely, yeah. and uh, yeah, finishing yeah. off my. Final uh, now three days of my current job. They'll be moving on my next job. So yeah, it's, it's I can been dig pretty it. good. I can dig it. Yeah, it kind of helps when you plug the auxiliary cable into you know the right slot so that you can actually run audio the right way. Yeah, it, it's usually a good thing. And so. Chase, you always have to ask me. Do you have your microphone plugged in? Yeah. You're the one who didn't have it plugged in this time. Bro, you weren't here <laughs> when this was going down, so just just watch it. Just watch it. Okay, all right, all right. That is true. <laughs> I was not there yet. Did not see this. This could be a bit they're playing on me. This is just all hearsay. This is conjecture, my man. <laughs> the most elaborate bit ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know see, where it's going, but... It's going... I'm, I'm on to you, too out there it's going out there y'all out there good grief yeah like the bit the last few weeks has been the whole like who can be quieter the longest and now the tables have turned a lieutenant commander eric he doesn't even know it <laughs> love it love it love That's it love a pretty it. good evil laugh right there oh i could i could probably do better probably could i couldn't i mean i don't have any evil I mean, in me so should i try Oh, you, oh, I'm evil now. I'm mirror. Uh, I didn't say that. I said you had some evil in you, right? Lots of, you know, it's like 
the evil, the devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other. Everyone's got that, right? Hmm. Yeah, but you know what? If we were if we were mirror, we would all have to shave. We'd all have to shave if we were in the mirror universe. We we couldn't just have goatees. We already have beards. No, no. See, if we were in the mirror universe, here's the thing. Here's the thing, y'all. I wouldn't just have a short beard. Okay, like most of us have, like on this show, like we have short beards. Mine would be very Viking-esque. Like, it'd be, like, the long bushy and it'd be, like, braided and stuff. It's got to be completely opposite. You'd have to go clean-shaven. No, that would mean I'd actually have a full... Android's bottom, you know? (laughs) It would mean I'd actually have a full beard for once. So (laughs) can I please be a mirror universe, Pete? Remember when Data grew a beard in that one episode? I do. That's right. I do. (laughs) I wish I could forget, but I do. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, Counselor Troy just couldn't stop laughing. Right. I don't know what episode that is. I couldn't tell you. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Are you okay? I I know, right? Eric, do we need to do like... Hold on. Hold on, everyone. Stop. Everyone stop what you're doing right now. Eric, talk to me, man. Are, Are you okay? My mind is just not what it once was. It's all the drugs, right? Oh, sorry. Once we'll say that. No. <laughs> Dad gum, dude. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's it's old age, right? You know, you get up there in your years, and your memory just isn't what it once was, and you know. Eric, hold on. How many fingers am I holding up? Are thumbs fingers? <laughs> All right, Eric. Don't make me don't make me, you know, blow you out of a out of an airlock or something, okay? Who's the captain? Right. Who's the captain of of Deep Space 9? Come on. Speak to me, buddy. Speak to me. Uh, who's the captain of Deep Space 9? Yeah. Well, when it started, it didn't have a captain. <laughs> okay, he's okay, everyone. He's okay. <laughs> Eric's fine. Whew. I'm fine. I was worried for a second. Man, goodness. I know, I know, I know. Man, don't scare me like that. I know. Are you right. currently trying to look up that episode? <laughs> yeah. I'm stalling for you. <laughs> no, just keep going, keep going. <laughs> data beard, Google, data beard episode, Alexa. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Siri, what episode of Star Trek The Next Generation did Data have a beard? Answer. <laughs> no, I don't have Siri or Alexa or anything like that. Me either. Me either. I'm one of those weird Android folk. Likes a good old Samsung phone. Which, by the way, I, there's, I don't know if, if y'all have heard this or even care to know about this or whatever, but it seems like every year like that there's going to be like a new Note series phone coming out that it's allegedly going to be the very last note phone that's going to be around because they're going to be eliminating the the line but someone who like apparently is like a huge like Samsung product fan or whatever um w- was saying that they're going to now be combining the like whatever it is like the the S something in the note series together so it's basically going to be a phablet, but without the freaking stylus to go with it, which makes no sense to me. 
Like, why have a giant-looking phone with no stylus? That doesn't make any sense. But I guess that's an iPhone for you, too, right? I, I mean, mean iPhones are... When our, there was a time when our phones just kept getting smaller. Right? You know, I miss no, having not. a... I miss having a freaking, like, flip phone or just, like, a phone in general where I could, like, dramatically, like, slam it down or dramatically, like, close it when I'm, like, mad at someone. Otherwise, like, if I do that now, I'm going to, like, break the freaking glass. Well, as much as, you like, much younger kids are are starting to look like my parents, Mm. you would think that they would want to, like, go backwards. It's like, you know, just just get a razor. go, Go be hipsters about it and get a razor. I actually did. I was so jealous of my friends that had razor phones. Like that was like a freaking status symbol back in the day, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt. Did you have a razor, Eric? I did not. I had um, a big brick phone for a while, and then I got some kind of Motorola flip phone. But it wasn't a razor. I couldn't tell you what it was know. called. Either it was either having like a razor. Right? One of those things or having a freaking Blackberry. Either one of those, like that was like a freaking status symbol back in the day. Well, it, it, kind of kind of a weird thing. So like I do have a couple of younger people that, that have worked under mm-hmm. me. And one of our apps that I can download on my phone to check emails, my work emails on, is serviced by Blackberry. And before I realized it, it would always sign off as sent from Blackberry whatever the program was. Right. And somebody was like, you have a Blackberry? Mm-hmm. No, I don't have. What are you talking about? No, I don't have a Blackberry. I don't even think Blackberry makes anything anymore. But it kept signing me off as Blackberry. And it's like, this is a lot of boomer talk, boys. I feel like we should really move away from this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this, though. When I, I remember when, I, when the first Game Boy came out, it was gray. <laughs> there weren't even color. It was huge. It actually okay, was a brick. It was, huge. <laughs> it, was <laughs> it was left you over. Beat, you could beat somebody with that. <laughs> you could. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. Uh, this is your um, this is your final warning. This is a um, red alert. There are spoilers ahead. We're about to spoil upon spoil this episode of Star Trek Discovery season four, episode four. All is possible. So if you have not watched it, hit the pause button right now. Go watch it. And come on back and listen to our um, our rambles about this episode. Otherwise, if you don't really give a crap, that's cool too. Just go ahead and listen. Guys, we got to talk about this. So we, we pick up um, in episode a week after the shenanigans that happened with the co-op Malat, y'all. And there's quite a few things going on. We have some like some therapy stuff. We have some walking around the 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 ship stuff in slow motion in very slow motion we have the return of some very good looking dress uniforms i might add Uh, a little political theater of sorts and um some cadets so but you're forgetting the most important thing that we saw the return of eric i'm leaving that to you yes the captain's law i was leaving that to you bud (laughs) Come on. Like, this episode opens. Captain's Log, Stardate, whatever, 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 whatever. It's been a week since the Co-op Malat thing. And then she talks about, like, come on, let's just do this from now on. We're doing it, right? 
Just do the captain's thing. Log. Except Wait, it, I, I do have a problem with this captain's log, though. First of all, it goes on forever, right? I'm used to being like Captain Cards, like Captain's Log, Stardate 44218.7. The Enterprise is on a mission to Galorndon Core to investigate. And that's it, right? <laughs> this goes on forever. And then it ventures into Captain's personal log stuff that I think has no business being in the sh- Captain's actual ship log where she's talking about her relationship with Book and, you know, they're lying in bed as we hear the voiceover, right? I have no problem with her making a log of that, but it should not be part of the same Captain's Log entry that the rest of the stuff that came before it. Yeah. So, somebody at Starfleet Command's, like, reviewing this at some point. It's like, who the hell is Book? <laughs> is, that a, is that a planet? Is that a mission? Ambassador? What, what are we talking about, Burnham? What book were we reading? I gotta find what book we're reading. Hmm. <laughs> it was one of those, you know, Fabio romance novels. That's what it was. That book, right? <laughs> Who's Fabio? Oh, some 20th century long-haired Adonis. That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah. He did those co- commercials where I can't believe it's not butter. I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is great. This is great. Yeah. Uh, lots lots and lots of discussion of of the the whole captain's log and the shenanigans and, and everything that is about to ensue. And Burnham is basically saying everyone just needs to take a chill pill and relax, basically. Play slappy card game on the table, whatever that was. I mean, listen, was. when you've been through as many universe-ending you know, you know, um, life or death situations as this crew has. You need a little R and R. Let's all take a trip to Risa. We got the spore drive. Let's just hop right on over to Risa. Let's take take a week off and get some Jamaharan in and come back Hor- and Horgons face the dark battle anomaly. Yeah, Horgons for everybody. You get a Horgon. You get a Horgon. Everyone gets a Horgon. Right? That's what this crew needs, right? Is some some R&R. Yes. After all this, what's the first planet we should bring back into the Federation? Ryza. Ryza. What? Ryza. Never heard of it. What? What was that? What, what? The pleasure planet? Oh, yeah, he's right. We got to bring that back in. <clears throat> So, okay. So, yeah, everyone is, everyone's like playing Scrabble and Shuffleboard and watching, you know, the historical documents on their downtime. And Any t- water polo in there? Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's and an Enterprise callback. There were a lot of Enterprise callbacks in this episode, y'all. <laughs> like... I, I, I love me some Enterprise, but it was getting a little much for me in this episode. I'm just saying. So everyone's doing this stuff. They're they're playing putt-putt on the holodeck, right? So to speak. And Culber, who's having a little, little session with Tilly, is like, yeah, I know you feel lost. You should go work. Go go on this mission. Go go to go to go to the academy, and go do a thing. 
he's he's the smartest psychologist ever. What are you talking about? I mean, this guy clearly knows everything. He's partially psychic. He knows exactly what everyone needs. Look, I'm actually not making fun of him, by the way, because I, I that was probably one of my favorite er parts of the episode because I, I really do, I really do kind of like that sort of aspect of it because he actually, well, we didn't just steamroll through book. I know that was something that Eric had talked about, about the possibility of just steamrolling through his whole grief process. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing is, with, with Tilly's sort of, um, I don't know which one you guys would label A or B, but it's clearly an A or B arc. Of, I would call it the B arc, but whatever. It's still one of the arcs. It does finally help her make a decision. So... Yeah, I would yeah. I would call the Navarre thing the the whole Navarre rejoining the Federation as the A and the Tilly and the Cadets being the B for sure. See, I would I would flip it. I think the fact that we start with this Tilly um, therapy session, counseling session, whatever you want to call it, yeah, it means that's the A plot, and that's what we end the episode on as well is Tilly's decision. So I would call that the A plot. But sure. I, I actually, I, I actually like these scenes too, and and I think a lot of times um, when we see like Deanna Troy do her counseling, you know, I, I don't really think it's all that good of counseling. And Chase, you can certainly talk more. Guinan, Guinan is the better counselor but, than but Deanna. It, but like, it seems like Troy is too too often offering her own advice to people rather than getting them to like come to a realization themselves which is more of what I think about therapy and I and I like the situation here where where Culver is always asking questions back to Tilly like well what is that like well how does that make you feel <laughs> right like the, the stereotypical like counseling question I hate but, that yeah I don't he doesn't actually ask that question right I but know he is putting yeah. it back on her to try and get her to come to the realizations and I thought it was really effective here and I'd be I, I want to know what you think about this is one of the things that I really want to talk about here with you tonight Chase about how Dr. Colbert works as a counselor or a therapist here with Tilly and later with Book yeah the first thing that that we tell our students at least at the school that I teach at is your job is not to give advice you, you no longer have the right to give advice in the room, period, full stop. Um, and the way that I teach some of the skills uh, to students, both in counseling skills and techniques and also in um, practicum and advanced skills, is the fact that our job is to be a mirror, right? Like we reflect back what they give us, right? Like we, we pay attention to our body language, our tone, um, all the things like we we reflect what they give us and that's it we we are trying to work ourselves out of a job to where they arrive at the the solution essentially on their own with like a little bit of help from us so it was <laughs> I'm, I'm currently in the middle at the time of recording this I'm currently in the middle of grading the last bit of skills video or of, of practicum videos for my students and I'm like dadgummit like I thought I was taking a break from freaking grading skills and, <laughs> and I'm watching this and I'm like you know Culber you're not doing that bad of a job like he's got a good tone 
He's got good body language. He's reflecting well. He has good attending behaviors. Attending meaning like he's tracking well. He's listening well. He's got like good warmth, good, um, like some good advanced empathy kind of stuff going on in his work with her. So overall, like how this starts, even like looking a little bit ahead with some other stuff that he does, he's doing a pretty good job as far as I'm concerned with his skills doing counseling in the 32nd century. Counseling in air quotes. So, yeah. Which I like. I like the fact that it seems like they did some some research on counseling instead of just like the crap that we see so often and stuff. And I actually give my students a very hard time and I leave them very strong notes. I'm like, don't you ever ask, how does that make you feel? That's our job to figure out how they feel. <laughs> they are paying us to tell them how they feel for crying out loud. So don't ever ask that. Like that is like the biggest trope that I cannot stand about Hollywood counseling. It just drives me bonkers. It's like freaking nails on a chalkboard anytime I see that crap and hear that crap on a TV show or a movie. Okay, we can continue. <laughs> Tell us all how right, you really feel. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> so so what he Culver suggests that Tilly like lead this training mission as like a way to do something new or something different cuz she's still in this mode of I have to try different things because I have to get yeah. out of my comfort zone. Something's not working with me just doing all of the things that I've been doing. So here's something different. Let's take and lead these cadets on a training mission. Oh, and by the way, take Adira with you. I'm still not sure I understand why, but it's we got to give Adira something to do because she's part of our main cast. Well, I mean, the I guess like my head cannon for that is that you know Adira was never a cadet with Starfleet so maybe this is like a crash course in being a cadet and stuff I don't know well on on the flip side though I think that I think that what was sort of implied by the the scene with um, with Gray is that they are missing the confident side of the tall personality by no longer having integrated memories of Grey. Because she had said, or they had said, uh, what was the line? Um, I run a tricorder over my soup or something. I scan my soup or mm-hmm. something like that. So I, I, think, I think that the implication is, is that Culber's trying to push her into a scenario where she is getting out. And actually, like, either meeting people, interacting with people, trying to find her own self-confidence that, you know, they might have lost through through the loss of Gray's memories, maybe. Right. The line was, I'm sorry, have you met me? Can't have soup without scanning it first. Yeah, there you go. I don't really know how to do new without you. So, yeah. Again, that that's why I, I just, I dislike that whole that whole extraction thing sure sure uh, and but then gray was pushing um adira to learn new things like oh the whole point is to, like give new experiences and all this stuff it's like you just took them you took them all <laughs> you took the experiences away <laughs> so yeah yeah uh, I, you know 
if we if we just hang out camp out here on on gray for a minute um gray is definitely like an extroverted per person here um you know and and i think maybe you're right like adira and the tall has now lost those those that that part of their personality but at the same time like they made a big to-do about gray incorporating and getting a new body and being able to do all these experiences and i thought that when that happened we were gonna have some storyline with gray but to me this just is this going anywhere because this is the only thing we get with gray in this entire episode is like this one scene right here so okay yes gray is now seen and gray has a body but what are we gonna do with gray moving forward at this point well they don't do character specific episodes anymore mm-hmm. they don't take an entire episode to go over one character because you're right i mean that would have been if you chose to do a character like that and I mean, any iteration of Trek, it would have been an entire episode where we followed them, right? I mean, yeah, I I guess, um, and I mean, just to be honest about it, it also could be, you know, societal pressure as well, because there are definitely two different viewpoints on, on that whole thing. So maybe they're not trying to push too far one way or the other on it so maybe there's a little political wrangling too maybe just being realistic I mean I don't think this show is concerned with going too far in one direction I think this show clearly has a direction that it wants to go with these type of of things right as and I don't have any issues with that. Like, I don't want anyone to think I do. Um, but I just, I think, I Gray is a character that I think we made a big deal about Gray. And now let's actually see Gray. Let's do something with Gray, right? Gray being seen does not mean just Gray gets a body. But now it means Gray actually has story. And we can build the character of Gray, which I still feel like we have not done yet. And I want to see that. I want to see that. I want to see where they can go with this character. But I'm just not seeing it yet. And I don't know if we're going to get it because this is so Michael Burnham-centric, right? This this show in general. Yeah. So I don't know. I, th- I think the only pushback I would give there is, to me, I think this season is definitely different from the direction it was taking last season. I think that they are trying to go into a different direction. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were trying to pull. I mean, look, it, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme, but I mean, you guys have noticed, we've talked about it, about how much this show has been flamed on like, say IMDb, IMDb's ratings. Like I think when I looked a little earlier, this episode was in like the fours in the ratings. So, I mean, they, they've been, and it wasn't that bad last season. Like the the ratings were not that bad, but it's it's getting royally flamed here. So I don't know. I mean, I can agree with you, but I, I would also kind of I, I think it has changed directions. I don't think that they're trying to push so hard on some of the the things that they were last season. But I, I mean, I agree. If you're gonna make Gray a character, make Gray a character. But there again, I 
I mean, how much have I complained about like, why didn't I have a Detmer episode? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't we, why didn't we get this? So, you know, it's, it's just well, a continuation well, I mean, of that. I mean, this is, this is two episodes in a row. We haven't seen the bridge or the bridge crew at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Detmer, Awushikun, Bryce, Reese. Um, There's a little name drop of Christopher though. Well, okay. Um, Nilsen. Nilsen. Yeah. <laughs> See, I forgot. Like, like that's terrible that I forgot her name for a moment, right? But two episodes in a row, we haven't been on the bridge. We haven't seen any of those bridge characters. But, yeah, we did get a little Lieutenant Christopher name drop. So, like, I'm still worried about Bryce. Are they is are they writing him out? Because they've <laughs> got this replacement character right in, right there, ready to go. Well, well I, wanna, we, I want to. Have we I want seen to... Reno at all? No. Sorry, Rip. No. Okay. I, I did. So. I did. I didn't read the article, but I saw the headline. It said uh, Michelle Paradise quote Janet Reno or Tignataro Je- will be seen very soon. Okay. I didn't read the article, but that was just the headline. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. I want to try and bring a little bit of levity, just a little bit, and I hope it doesn't tick any of the listeners off out in listener land. But look, man, there was a lot there was, there was a decent amount of time that was spent to like what um, Gray's like golem body was going to be including like erasing the, the mole or the wart or whatever off off the hand okay so after this after watching this show I was like I was looking around the socials and stuff and there was like a very common like comment that I kept running across and I I can't help but like chuckle just a little bit at this so just like let's just like have a good time with this for just a second okay no disrespect is intended but man hair really grows fast in the 32nd century (laughs) this man this hairstyle was like out of control it was blue and short last in a week I mean, we in show this is a week from the last episode just like it's been a week for us too okay a week that was the longest week ever to go from like um like almost like a flat top crew cut thing to a freaking mullet hey man gray, gray just wants to rock out all right like great like, gray just wants to rock out it's a flock of seagulls man <laughs> i mean listen when Seven of Nine was deassimilated, the doctor said, I stimulated hair follicle growth, right? To give Jerry Ryan hair right away. So, I mean, they can do that. It's, it's way into the future. Like, if you want a full, you know, 80s rock band long hairdo in a week, yes. we'll give it to you. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> and. Anyway, I figured, look, we gave Burnham a hard time about it with it being the longest year going from her, her freaking, um, uh, her Vorta hair, hairstyle, right? <laughs> to having like freaking braids, like down her back. So, I mean, I just want, I just want, I want everyone to know, like we see Michael Burnham, we see gray. Okay. We, we, we see, we see them. All right. Um. Okay, so fork in the road right now. Okay, do you want? Uh, what would you rather talk about right now? You want to talk about Tilly's mission, or do you want to talk about the Navarre situation? 
first. I, I think Tilly's is the more interesting storyline. Okay, so let's talk about Navarre then. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll save we'll save Tilly's stuff for last, uh, which I guess kind of makes sense in the grand scheme of things too. So we have a little sitch um, again with the Coat Malat thing that happened last time, right? Like there was a little Stabby McStabberson thing that happened, got extradited back to Navarre, and uh, Michael Burnham being all butthurt about or not um, about like will justice actually happen and like why 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 aren't we doing it and president Rillick's like sometimes we got to do things we don't want to do to have um a greater effect essentially for more people and uh we kind of see it kind of pay off with this story point in this episode where we're actually trying to bring navarre back into the federation after what i think it was like a century is what they were saying in this particular episode so it's it's a bunch of like Negotiations, a lot of political theater type stuff that's taking place uh, back and forth. And um, we get down there. It's, it ends up being Burnham and Saru that go down to Navarre along with President Rillick. And they're expected to be just completely silent with all the talks. And that lasts for all of like five seconds, basically. Yeah, like it didn't make any sense for Michael Burnham to be a part of these negotiations. No. She is not a politician, regardless of how the people at the end say, for not being a politician, you're very adept at this. Like, she's not a politician. She can't shut up, right? She always has to butt in, right? There's no, absolutely no reason for her to be here, but she's our main character. She's number one on the call sheet. Everything has to be about her. So, Admiral Vance mysteriously is sick. So yeah, it was like what, like like a slug or a snake or something. Yeah, he's got, he's some kind of worm or something. Something, yeah. I, I'll I'll say this though. I I mean, technically there is a good reason for her to be here, which is the payoff of the the storyline though. Um, I don't know if you just yeah, want to jump right I, to that. I but. I hate the payoff though. It's so it's so. Dumb, as I have a I have an old world uh, explanation of that, a little bit that I can discuss. We can go back to the 1700s about that. Ooh, now I'm not interested. It'll be fun. I mean, listen, I would be happy just to skip to the end of it here because it's just this is not interesting to me. Well, so, hey, all I know is that is that the Vulcan president likes him tall, likes him tall, and gangly. And she likes to drink. Oh, tea not not her. the symbiote in Adira. Right, tall, T A L L. No. Tall, dark, and handsome. All right. She likes some tall, gangly, and of a different species. Who likes tea? <laughs> you want some tea? Hmm. Do ya? Do ya? Join me for tea. Well, I mean, it, you ever it, drink baby from a shoe? Just storyline-wise, though, I mean, everything breaks down when they get there, which was basically planned. I mean, the, the, we talk about the the adeptness of the president. She already knew this because the president, you know, of Navarre basically told her it was going to happen. And she manipulates the situation to include Burnham because at the very end she is... Not quite, but she's, she was a child of Vulcan. I think she says that she's a child of Navarre at the end. And she 
puts herself out to be a member of effectively the council to represent the Federation and also represent the, the past of how Navarre came to be. But the, the old world thing of that is, so if you, if you, I mean, let me drop my spectacles a little bit so I can act a little bit more professory for you guys. So anyway, let me get out the blackboard too. <laughs> when you think about it in, in like mainly like British, I'll use British Royal Navy because effectively Starfleet is space Navy. They have admirals, space Navy. Um, so if you were a gentleman of a specific rank and were able to achieve a seat in parliament, because Britain had a representative parliament, um, you could take time off of your ship if you're a captain to go and attend parliament. Then you'd have, a, have another captain come through and take your place and so forth. And you kind of have that sort of thing going on in this ship because you have uh, Saru who has like the, the Kaminaris, part of the council there and now Burnham's part of the council on Navarre so it's like they're in their own naval space parliaments just like in the 1700s and then they can take like time off and then they can just sub in for each other it'll be great guys I'm telling you this is all historically accurate let me let me tell you why I hate this I hate this storyline I don't I hate a strong word but I dislike this okay very strongly essentially um, Navarre wants an unconditional out clause, right? They want to be able to get out, right, at a moment's notice, like, hey, we're just going to cut the ties and we're gone. That's it. And the Federation doesn't want to do that because it would be inviting other planets to do the same thing. And so, hey, neither side can give in because it will be seen as weakness and they'll be in a position of weakness and of course, during negotiations, you never want to be seen as the weak party. So that's how the two presidents, President of the Federation, President of Vulcan, or Navarre, excuse me, basically manipulated this situation, right? They knew this was going to happen. They manipulated mm-hmm. to get Burnham here. And they wanted Burnham to figure out a way to solve this issue because, of course, it has to be Michael Burnham. That's the person who solves every single issue or problem on this show. Saru would have been a much better person, I think, to figure out this problem because he is more of the diplomat. Like, he's on the Kaminarin Council, right? We saw last season when we went to Navarre, he was kind of playing diplomat with Tarina anyway. He was, yeah. So it would have made a lot more sense for Saru to be the person to figure this out. But essentially, Michael Burnham comes up and says, hey, what if neither one of you backs down, but somebody else offers a way out? And so she comes up with this idea of creating an independent council, right, that can basically be media, a mediator. And she's like, of course, of course, I have to be on this council too, right? Because of course I do. It's my idea, and I'm the smartest person in the room and the most important person in the room, so I have to be on this council. And it's just every single thing on this show has to revolve around Michael Burnham. And it's just annoying, and it makes no sense, and I really dislike it. Yeah, Because it makes so, no sense for her to come up with this idea 
or for her to be on this council as far as I'm concerned because she's not a diplomat. Yes, she says, oh, I'm, I'm, a, feder I'm a Federation citizen, a Starfleet captain, and I'm a, I'm a, you know. Child, I'm a child of Navarre. I'm a graduate of yeah. the Vulcan Science Academy. I've studied logic. Yeah, it makes perfect sense for me to be on this council. But as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't. That's well, just what, how I what, feel. The, what the, does our core of, of diplomats even look like now? Do do we actually have a large core of, of diplomats? I don't think so. I mean, that, I mean that's, I that's the only thing I'm wondering. every planet has, still has their own diplomats, you know? Yeah. They were cut off from the Federation to the burn, but I would assume each individual planet still has diplomats because there still has to be government on those planets. Well, I, I guess I should rephrase that more of, of Federation ambassadors as the Federation sits, not from the, the planet that they're trying to bring in to the fold, but like someone to be a representative to go to the planet. Because it well, seems okay, like the right. president's doing a lot of that. Yeah. And we don't. I don't know. I mean, I mean that kind of like touches on like the the other story point, like with the cadets and like the the challenges that they're facing, right? Like with like you're like you're, what you're saying, like the diplomats, the ambassadors, like who's doing what. Um. I I don't want to like necessarily like roll back like some of the stuff that we've been discussing like with the Navarre st storyline, but like. I guess, like, just the thing that I was getting really hung up on, um, which is kind of along the lines of, of Eric, is the fact that she claims to be um, of, of Navarre, to be a, a child of Navarre or whatever, um, however she puts it. <clears throat> and I'm like, really? No, you're, you're not. You're, you're really not. You... you grew up on Vulcan, you were adopted by Sarek and grew up with Spock and Amanda and them, that's fine. But you were on Vulcan before the big old black hole, you know, red matter ending thing, whatever, destroyed Vulcan. No, you are not a child of Navarre. Like, yes, you know the Vulcan way, but you do not know the, the consolidated new culture of the planet like it's one thing to know the Vulcan way the logic the culture of Vulcan which you grew up with there is 900 years of evolution as a culture of like slowly coming together so just because you know half of something doesn't mean that you are actually adept at understanding the culture of Navarre of Navarre Navarian society whatever we're going to call the thing so like that's I had I had an issue with that like just her claiming that she is a Navarre citizen. Um, maybe I'm making too much out of it. I probably am, but just wanted to put that out there at least. Uh, uh, I I don't think that I interpreted it the same way as you guys did. I mean, yeah, the child of Navarre thing kind of didn't make a lot of sense, but technically she's also a living time capsule of a time 900 years in the past which is a, a very significant amount of time mm -hmm. which would be potentially valuable at least to the Vulcan side of the society to maybe understand how their brethren at that time were in their developmental line because I mean at that time uh, 
Vulcans were. I mean, they they effectively had already had pulled back, hadn't they? By that time, as far as like a military power. Uh, so, I mean, because if you take into account the events of like Enterprise and and their rediscovery of all the the teachings at that time and so forth, and I, I had kind of missed that. So, so we are following the the whole. Uh, what is it? The Kelvin timeline here? No, we we're are not. Fall- no, we're so, not. Because Vulcan would be destroyed if that was the case. Yeah. What it, it, What did you say though about Vulcan being destroyed? Didn't you literally? Just I, say I that? said that. Yeah, I said that. Yeah, because, but, but like, because like that's where. But the, okay, so uh, wibbly wobbly crap. Well, I, I, I know. Last no, it's the fact that like that's where things split. Like, so everything is intact past Enterprise, up and like even with Discovery, things are still intact. It's not until the T, like the post TNG era that we're dealing with, like post Nemesis, right, where the red matter stuff explodes Vulcan and creates like that parallel, um, fully intact timeline with with the kelvin verse so it's uh i hate thinking about this but like it stands to reason to me that vulcan was destroyed in the prime timeline and that's why we don't why we're on we're on the planet that was vulcan that's where navar is i thought they got a different different planet altogether no No, how did i miss that we're on the old planet vulcan Okay. How did, the, yeah, seriously, that, that, how did I miss that though? Because I, I could have swore that it was a different know, planet that I they had come last, together on. Last season, um, they mentioned Kovacs, who we see in this episode. Yeah, Kovacs. Yeah. Time this season, he talked about you know the the Romulan mining incident, the Romulan mining ship that crossed into a different into a different universe. So they were trying to blend things together. So. Maybe, um, maybe that's what gave you that idea. But I'm pretty sure this is the planet Vulcan of Spock and Sarek, right? That Burnham grew up on. I don't think this is a different planet. Okay, this is gonna hurt it's, my brain. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. have to figure- it, it was formerly Vulcan, so we are still on Vulcan. Okay, then I'm yeah. sorry, everyone. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, th- th- that that's that's the only reason why I was getting uh, a bit confused if, if we were follow which timeline we were following. Because at that point, it actually would make more sense for Burnham because she is then a child of this planet because it is Vulcan. She did grow up here, not entirely, and it's not like she was a Vulcan or anything, but, you know, she's always had the, the in quotations, acceptance as that being a part, a part of her culture, I guess. But... But, but again, I, I, I would point to a couple things, and, and I could be completely off base too. I don't see an entire core of ambassadors here. I see this almost as returning back to a, like an Enterprise Wild West type of deal where they're just flying by the seat of their pants. And you have someone who grew up on the planet 900 years beforehand and is a potentially a time capsule for that time, which some Vulcans I would think would find interesting at least. She clearly was involved in, you know, Vulcan isms in season three in the episode that apparently Chase doesn't want ever named again. 
but the, the the whole thing is is like it's it's not out of the realm of historical possibility for a captain of a ship to assume higher duties than just being a captain of the ship that's why i brought up the whole parliamentary thing because you could be a captain of a ship you're out on the sea and then say i need to go to parliament and i need to vote on things and like help my territory that i'm a member of and then go back on my ship and i understand like the whole michael burnham thing but i i think i think the only thing i would say there is like although a lot of our other shows aren't so centered around the captain the captain does get a lot of the glory for a lot of, of course things too yeah of course they do and so, i'm not i'm not shatting all know. over burnham for the sake of doing it it's just like i guess just like hearing like some of that dialogue it just i don't know it was just well i i don't i don't think my they're very the, i don't think they're very detail oriented when they're doing doing the writing i mean i think we've seen a lot of examples of that and I'll tell sure. you one more. For, well, there's one in the Tilly timeline that actually disturbed me a bit more, and I think it would have been a cool lesson for Tilly as well. Just something that they just completely glossed over from her time, or her story in this episode. But they don't seem to be like crazy tight storyline group here. So I agree that the dialogue was a little wacky, but at least in my brain, I, I kind of I don't necessarily have a huge problem. And the only thing about Saru doing that is that he's already effectively the Kaminar's ambassador to the world. So it's like serving two masters type of deal in a way. I don't, I don't, I mean, aside from his obvious, you know, (laughs) interspecies love fest with the president of Navarre. (laughs) uh, I I don't, I don't know how that would really work from his loyalty standpoint, but I, I could be wrong too. Sure. Anyone want to talk about uh, about the Tilly stuff now? Yeah, let's talk about the Tilly stuff. Okay. All right, so in classic Star Trek form, what do we do if people don't get along together? Ooh, I know this. Ooh, ooh, I know this. I know <laughs> yes, the Chase. answer. Yes, Chase. We put them together and send them on an away mission. Right, and then something goes wrong. Yep. Go sideways real quick. Let's do this. They have to work together to to make it out alive, right? Yes. <laughs> no, I, I joke, but I, I like that about Star Trek. That's like something that makes Star Trek Star Trek. Right, and we actually have we have cadets that are named. So that means that they're kind of safe, right? Right, <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, Except that no. one guy who totally got killed and then we forgot Except about him the a, entire time. A, he wasn't a cadet. No, nope. he was a lieutenant, wasn't he? But uh, yeah. th- it bo- it bothered me that, like, literally dead, and then we're just like, hey, we're going to share facts about each other as the dead bodies just in the back. And you know what? <laughs> there, there was an important lesson for Tilly that she has not done yet, and she's had at least one other chance to do this. It would have been really nice if she memorialized that guy. And we've seen it a lot in Star Trek where they've had their little send-off ceremony and she could have done one for that the, the guy on the space station because she didn't do anything. We didn't really do anything about that. 
But like, give these guys a send off. It, it makes the death seem so frivolous. The guy died. I mean, he was supposed to be helping on this mission. He's dead. And you're standing over him talking about how, oh, you know, I was, I was in Emerald Chain territory and we weren't treated very nice. Err. Sorry. I oh, actually like the storyline. I just hated that part about it. No. Yeah. So I agree with you. There could have been a, mo- a time yeah. to take a moment to to talk about that even like to talk about it after the fact after we get back it's like glossed over it's like oh yeah yeah you know we got out of there you know we learned something and now we're gonna be better for it no but a guy died someone died <laughs> right that's not something to just gloss over he wasn't mm-hmm. even wearing was he wearing a red shirt no, no he was wearing gold he was wearing a he gold wearing stripe gold. he was wearing yeah. the the season three ending uniform is what he was wearing <laughs> yeah but, but, like, if we back up just a minute, right, Tilly is given command of this survey mission, essentially, and Kovix is talking to her. I still don't really know what Kovix's job is, because so now, like, now it seems like he's, like, the head of Starfleet Academy, but yeah. I was thinking it that seemed too. like he was, like, some super scientist guy. So I don't really know what he does. Like yeah. head of Section 31. Yeah, yeah. There was, like, this thought out there that he might be the Federation president. Right? Right. That was a theory thrown out there last season. That's obviously not true. But anyway, he says these people, like, they don't get along. And it's almost like a microcosm of where the Federation stands right now. If these people who are the cadets and the future of Starfleet can't learn to work together and get along, right? Like, what hope do we have as a Federation to try to rebuild? And I really like that idea. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, I joke about, hey, let's take people who don't get along and send them on an away mission that goes sideways. But I really like that storyline and that that speech, if you will, by Kovix here and what right. he's saying and about what this represents. And I do like the storyline of how, you know, it they come to it's 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 rushed in a sense of, oh, did you ever ask him his side of the story? No. What do I need to know his side of the story for? And he tells his side of the story. He's like, oh, now we're going to be best buds. Right? That's <laughs> rushed. Right? Yeah. But I do like the idea of, hey, let's take the time to actually talk to each other. Right? We didn't want to talk to each other. Right? right? Oh, you guys have been at the academy for a while. I bet you know each other really well. Awkward silence. Awkward silence. All right, let's just get back to the mission. No, yeah, so I, we I, have. I like this storyline, sure. So we have, um, obviously, we have Tilly and we have um, um, Adira, but we also have um, Cadet um, Haral, who I believe is the Orion, if I'm not mistaken. Cadet Sasha, who um, is from the Titan colony. And uh, we also have Cadet Gorev, who is the uh, Tellarite um, on this. Um, and Tilly was like, these are your, your different stations. There was one thing. Um, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I forget which one. I think it was David that uh, said that there was an opportunity here. Um, was that? Was that? Anyway, the, um, the thing I was thinking was for Tilly to like actually listen to someone when they say that they know how to do something really well. And 
that being Cadet Sasha saying, hey, I have piloting experience. I can help. And Tilly was like, no, nah, I'm good. Just stay where you're at. You're at. Do your thing type of Brace thing. Brace for impact. Yeah. As it spirals out of control and crashes type of thing. Did it, did any of you for a second, and it was pointed out, but did any of you for a second believe this was like some sort of simulated thing, though? And like a random lieutenant was just going to pop back. Oh, ho, ho, guys, you know, you gotcha. You passed the Kobayashi Maru. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> that thought did pass through my mind for a second because obviously Star Trek has faked us out like that in the past. But just for a brief second. I thought I thought that the shuttle pod uh, resembled the the, uh, the protostar, by the way. Oh, this entire storyline. Let listen. This, yeah, right. Didn't we, didn't we just see this on yeah. uh-huh. Prodigy? Yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. Literally, we did. this exactly got young people who don't know anything and are learning. <laughs> they crash land on a planet and they have to go out into the wilderness, so to speak, and <laughs> escape the scary little creatures right before they like get off this planet. We look. We just yeah. saw this. Right. The, the, I mean, this was so. To the writing process. This was 100% an abbreviated Dreamcatcher Terra Firma combo yeah. right here. Just with snow instead of like creepy vines. And, and with like a spider squid monster type thing right. instead of vines. There was, at, there was look, look, there was at one point uh, where I thought they were like doing a shot for shot reshoot of Trek 09 with um, Chris Pine's Kirk running away from the little little thing and yeah. Tilly was running away like it looked it, like like just the way her arms were flailing and like how she was running looked almost exactly like Chris Pine in, in Star Trek 09 I'm just saying no but the only reason I bring that up though is because of that pilot thing like, oh yeah so I'm a pilot it's like no stay there or you'll ruin the simulation so that's the only reason why I kind of thought that for a little bit but and then they, you know, they crash land and they got to do their Odo and Quark out into the wilderness, get up to the high mountain so you can, you know, your oh communication kit, right? right? I forgot all about yeah. that. It's one of my favorite <laughs> like, Deep Space Nine episodes. I don't know. Actually. We have to, how high do you think we have to get to get a signal out? I don't know. That high? <laughs> to the big mountain? <laughs> That's what, that's just all I was thinking while they were on Y'all, their trek is Odo and Quark going up the mountain. Look, this, okay, here we go. This episode, like when they're, when they're doing this thing on, on this L-class planet, by the way. L-class we were just, moon. L-class moon, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, see, th- he's back, y'all. He's back. That's H- no his moon. brain's fine. He's fine for now. <laughs> no, it was a moon. So when they're on this L-class thing, they're <laughs> I swear this was like freaking cope. Like everything about this was like low ropes, <laughs> high ropes. I swear. That's all this was. It was like team building, low ropes. Oh, yeah. We got to get the person who uh, fell off and we got to use a rope. But the, they can't touch the thing. So we have to pull them out. The deer gets free, her legs frozen, so let's pull her out. I thought that they were gonna like, like her legs were like gonna snap off or something because of how cold it was or something. 
like that would have been morbid, and I wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past the the creatives of of Discovery to you know amputate or whatever Adira with ice. I'm just saying. I mean, they've ripped out eyeballs in freaking Picard, just for the heck of it. So why not? All right, yeah. So we have to go that high. We're gonna recreate some some Odo Quark stuff. Yeah, we got to go that high while being chased by some duplicating worm tarantula yeah, it's, it's like things. a thousand it's like a thousand organisms but they're all part of one mind and it, but it can like split apart or something but it looks like a giant squid type thing that you know splits itself in half and is hunting yeah. them but as long as they turn off all their equipment right it's drawn to like electromagnetic waves or something so they turn off their equipment they'll be fine So, and, I have yeah, a question. I, I have a question. How do they? How do you turn off your Tricom badge? Can someone tell me that? Hey, it has a little switch. You take it off of your shirt, and there's a little switch on the back, right? That you can just flip to the left. Off. So, so you go. So it's like on, off, demo. <laughs> is that what it is? Like, if you do it like too many times, is it like automatically go to like Espanol, like Buzz Lightyear, like speak Spanish instead of English, like in freaking Toy Story Four? Is that what happens? I think so. Yeah. Okay, I was just checking, just, just making sure. Anyway, then when we finally get to the top, right, we've got to call for help, but of course we've got to have Tilly the action hero, right? I said this at the end of season three when Osiris and the chain had taken over Discovery, Tilly's great plan was go to the armory, find some weapons, and shoot our way to the bridge because obviously Tilly is a weapons officer, a tactical officer, and she's the action hero. And now we're like, hey, we've got to buy us some time for this ship. I think it was called the Armstrong. Yeah, the so USS Armstrong. Can we can radio communicate for them to come pick us up, but somebody's got to run out onto the ice and draw the attention of the squid monster away, and it's got to be action hero Tilly, and she runs out there and she shoots her phaser all at it, and I don't know, this, this, this is the only part of this storyline I don't like. Well, like, I mean, this, it's... You have it, it, it wouldn't be unheard of to have like a distraction or or you know whoever's in command try and lure whatever away from the rest of the crew i mean i, I think that um I, we don't really know what tilly is i think this is at least for me it's it's part of the problem of what is her specialty? I mean, because even in the beginning with Culver, she's like, "Well, maybe I could practice medicine like you. You seem to like it." It's like, hold, hold, hold your horses, okay? I know programmable matter does everything for you guys in this century, but let's not <laughs> let's not go crazy, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Tilly, I I, I, I just kind of stopped seeing or, or stopped really thinking about her development way back when, when she was just sort of helping Stamets out, you know, she's still wearing blues, you know what I mean? So what, 
what are what are her qualifications? If I think if you would have built up her qualifications in something, maybe it wouldn't made that big a deal because we've again that goes back to clear and defined almost militaristic roles that we have always had with with Star Trek. I mean, like Worf is your tactical officer. You expect him to have a thousand knives on him ready to rock and roll. But you don't necessarily expect Beverly Crusher to go commando on something, you know what I mean? It's not that Beverly Crusher can't, it's just she's a doctor. We expect that. So what do we think of Tilly? Well, she was like the spore research assistant kind of engineer, but not really. You know what I mean? So when you talk about tactical training, the only thing we ever saw is a montage of her running around the Enterprise, or the running around the Discovery, like twice. So, so I'm I'm looking at some old uniform pictures. Um, if correct me if I'm wrong, but we had like the silver, which was indicative of science, gold with um, command. And I believe it was the bronze, was like your engineering. Um, Operations kind of stuff based on like the original Discovery uniforms, if I'm not mistaken. So, Tilly in early seasons when they're still wearing like the disco um, jumpsuits, right? She's wearing gold. So, she's apparently on some kind of command something, right? Like, of course, you have the comment, like, yeah, I'm going to be a captain. I'm going to be the youngest captain ever, or whatever she says. Doesn't matter. So we've been all over the place with her. Like, whether it's command colors just because, like, that's what cadets wear. I don't know. In that in that timeline. But there's something going on with her because, like, again, she was in the command division at one point. Even after she was made an ensign, she was part of the command division. And then she somehow... Go- I mean, it's not, it's not unheard of by any means. But she goes from wearing that to now blue, like science division. I mean, we've had other characters that have transferred divisions. That's not a big deal. But the fact of the matter is we have so many question marks on what on God's green earth she was actually, you know, pursuing. And we, we, I mean, we hear a little, little snippet of it kind of in this episode, but... We have so many question marks of like what it is that she did. We still don't know what she does. Three and a half seasons in, we don't know. And that's very problematic in my book. We do know what she does now. Now we do. Yes, at the very end we do. (laughs) But like apart from being like apart from being like Stamets like assistant of sorts and like helping out with spore research, I mean like that's it. Like she was just like doing the guy a solid basically. But, but just, just just to kind of rotate back to even tie it into like, you know, when we talk about Delta ratings and everything, I don't know how much peril it would have been to put your communicator and try and communicate with this ship because it seemed like they were at a reasonable distance away from these creatures. If you pass that logic out of your mind and say we have to draw them away, she at least displayed enough courage and a command and an, at least an understanding of the command that she was in here to do 
something for her crew. Try and give them the best shot possible for them to contact the ship and hopefully get away. So there is that kind of lining, at least I would take out of it. But yeah, the, the last action hero, Tilly, I'll be back, you know, sort of stuff doesn't quite mesh all that well with what we, with our kind of at least my limited knowledge of what she actually does or has mm-hmm. done. And like the get off, and and um, I think it was you, David. You were the first person to say this a couple weeks ago. Like there was something wrong with Tilly, like even before we learned it. And you're you were wondering if you were you wondering if. Does she want out, right? Does she want off this ship? Like you, I'm pretty sure you said that after the first episode. And like here we see it. She, you know, Kovix comes and offers her a job teaching at the academy, and she decides to take it, right? And um, she, I, I forget what she says, but her and Burnham have a little heart to heart in their quarters that they used to share, and she says like, you know, I was always doing these things for my mom. But I realized, like, my mom's not going to see me anymore, so I got to do things for myself, and maybe that means leaving and going to teach at the academy, and that's what she does. And I have no idea if this means is Mary Wiseman leaving the show? Is she going to have a reduced role moving forward, or are they going to somehow work this storyline into the show? I, I looked this up because I thought the same thing after you get to, like, the, that scene. And uh, apparently, she like she's still staying on the show, so I have no idea if it's going to be reduced. But like, she's not exiting Discovery, and that's and that's all we know at this point as viewers. Okay, I mean, I do I do like their little heart to heart. They have a nice conversation, and it seems like Tilly has you know become a little bit more self aware and is understanding and learning about herself. And I like that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I actually yeah. think Michael Burnham is a good friend in that situation. Not like a, your superior officer or your captain, but I think she's a good friend in that moment, which is something that maybe she hasn't always been in the past. Right. Enjoy the snoring. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, who doesn't enjoy snoring, right? Look, man, don't, don't get me started on... Uh, on um, someone we know, good old Jerry and Mr. Clark. Hey, apparently I snore really badly. If you did, I never heard it. Maybe because I packed enough earplugs. My brother's wife tells me all the time, you snore. I was like, how would you know that I snore? She's like, you have fallen asleep on my couch enough times. (laughs) Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. There's, um... There's one. There is one other storyline. Um, there's like maybe like three scenes to it, but I don't want to just completely ignore it. And that's with book. Um, and like the 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 sand the sand tray stuff that he's doing essentially, um, and working through his own process of grief. Which I know we we uh, we mentioned at the very beginning about like hoping it wasn't just going to be completely detmered basically like done and over with in two episodes basically um, I really like this and um, Santre I know they didn't call it Santre but Santre is like one of my absolute 
favorite things to do in counseling. It is such a powerful thing when you do it. And um, it just has to do with like creating like your own scene essentially with stuff. And I'm, it's a very oversimplified description of Santray. But so it's like very, Miles very powerful. O'Brien when he was in brain prison? Hmm? Miles O'Brien yes. when he was in his little mind prison? to draw those little shapes in the sand uh, essentially yeah. I mean like there, there's more to it than that but yeah like it's it's like Santry light but yeah but this is also supposed to be like you know him trying to recreate some ritual from Quajon mm-hmm. that's important then like you know in Quajon they're all empaths and they're connected to the planet and the ritual kind of connects them and you know this obviously doesn't do that but I still think book gets something out of it one of my favorite parts from th- from whenever he's like really on the struggle bus with trying to do this thing and um, just getting like so incredibly frustrated about like how this is fake, this isn't real, it's a fake. Sorry, um, just how fake it is and um, Col- and he's like it's not the same. And Culber says just so genuinely, "You're right, it's not the same." And that was perfect. That was absolutely perfect. Um, how he was in as a therapist in that scene. So um, I, I I loved. Look, Culber. I think Cul- next to Saru, Culber is my favorite character on Discovery. To be completely frank with you, I think I've said that before. It's still the case. And the more he steps into this whole ship's counselor role, the more I'm liking him. So far, he's doing a good job as a counselor on the show. Like. Okay. in reality of how an actual therapist would would function. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, earlier in this scene here, he, he kind of said, he's like, he shares some personal things, right? And he's like... Yeah, about breaking I they, fingers. I know, I know they... But, but he's like, I know we're not supposed to share personal stories in these sessions, but who, who cares? I'm, I'm going to do it anyway because, you know, we, we've lived on this ship together for, and we know each other personally, so, you know, what the heck? But it's like, how much inter? I mean, I know we had Stamets and Book go on a mission a couple weeks ago, and they're like, we've never really spoken to each other. And it's like, how much have has Book and um, Culver really spoken to each other? So like, do they know each other all that well? I mean, I don't know. But like, I, I what do you think, Chase, about him sharing personal stories and even him admitting I probably shouldn't be doing this? So there's a thing, uh, there's a couple things. First off, there's there's a, a thing with power differentials um, that we talk, that we, we teach and talk about um, in the practice of therapy. Um, and then we also talk about self-disclosure can be a very powerful thing uh, in terms of like the relationship, you have, like the professional relationship that you're forming, that you're building um, between client and counselor. But it needs to be used very sparingly very very sparingly and the way that this was used it was almost on the money as far as I was concerned almost there's like a little bit at the end that could have been tweaked to really like just sell it in terms of like uh, putting the ball back in his court and trying to frame it back to where he like it's actually personalized for him like that's the point of like self disclosure is like there's an experience that you've had that helps you connect what happened to you with um, 
what your client might be thinking, feeling, experiencing, or kind of processing a particular situation. That's the that's the purpose of self-disclosure, not just to say, yeah, this happened to me too, man. Like, that's not the point. Um, it's, it's meant to get your client to think more deeply, to experience it and to really help give them more run, runway to work with, basically. So had he done that, it would have been that much more for me. It would have been that much more real for me. Um, I'm going to pivot for just a second with this Culber thing um, from this particular scene to the part where um, I think Book was like, um, you want to talk about it? Like where Book essentially like flipped the table on him? That That is a big no-no. Big, big no-no in counseling. Big no-no. Where you get too vulnerable. Like there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable with your client, but to the point where now your client has to be more concerned about you instead of you like checking your own stuff right big no-no so like that was like out of like the the 50 some odd minute episode this was this was the only issue i had with culber as as the counselor in this entire episode so that's got to that's that got to count for something as far as i'm concerned okay but i loved it I thought they, I thought the book and Culber moments were very very on point, very powerful as far as I'm concerned. So, do y'all have any more um, things that we need to bring up in terms of any of the storylines before we move into the evaluation? No. No. All right, let's move into the Delta. If this is your first time listening, the Delta rating is where we look at how the different um, divisions of Starfleet show up, shine out, whatever in this particular episode. So we're looking at the command division which has to do with leadership, leadership styles, leadership theory, um, stuff like that. Uh, we have the operations and the engineering division um, having to do with like technobabble, logistics, and stuff like that. And then, of course, science, which is kind of self-explanatory. So um, I believe last time, if I'm not mistaken, we started with Eric on the Delta. So let's start with David this time. Um. <sighs> I, I think that the sort of obvious one, at least for me, for this would be, you know, it, it would get a command uh, on a couple of different fronts. I, I think Tilly's decision making, while a little bit sus at times, um, ultimately was as good as it can be, you know, for a freshly made lieutenant. Um, and she did get her people home, so there you go. Uh, and, and I even think to an extent, you know, we, I, I still have to give a little shout to the president and her master manipulation of the, of the whole situation. Um, so I, 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 th I think command's pretty, pretty fine. Um, you know, the, the problem that I keep having is, is I think we've been kind of cool with science for the most part. There's been some cool babble. I don't necessarily know that I 100% see that here. I mean, there's a little bit of engineering when we talk about like the, the whole communicator thing on our moon and at least they did explain that it was an L-class moon. So, but again, we're not really scanning stuff all that much. You know, I mean, just can, can we just do like a, like a little tricorder? Unless I missed it. Can we just, can we just a little, little, little tricorder read? 
just your planet and your surroundings or something like that. Nice. Oh, wait, the monsters are there. We can't use that. Whatever. Just scan the planet. Um, <laughs> and then, I mean, uh, in, in our in our other storyline, there's it, it's all, you know, sort of like a pseudo diplomacy thing or counseling. So that's a whole different side of things. So command. Sure. I, I can I can definitely justify that science. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily know that I see that engineering, maybe like a quarter if you consider fixing communications. I guess that's something, but I don't know about like a whole delta even for engineering. So, Roger that. What you got, Eric? Yeah, I, I would say I think President Rillick is kind of a, a, a badass. Like, I, I really enjoy her as a character, and I think. She is an incredibly adept politician, right? She is a really good manipulator, and I think she's a really good leader. She's she's a strong, positive force, and I think I've said this, right, every episode that she's been in, and I I really appreciate this this character. And I mean, she does seem a little bit too involved in some of these things for the Federation president, but I guess you can chalk that up to. Um, we're rebuilding the Federation and we don't have a full council and diplomatic corps as David mentioned right earlier. Sure. So I, I, I really like her in this episode. I think president Tarina of Navarre is really good and is, you know, showing some good leadership, how she kind of leaks information. Um, yeah. So I like those and listen, I mean, yes, Tilly did get most of her people home, right? She lost, one person and it was kind of glossed over but she did what she needed to do in command to save the rest of the people right she did it mm -hmm. she got them home safely so that has to count for something right yeah and then i i mean burnham i don't i don't see anything from burnham like this was as much as i said michael burnham has to be the center of attention and the person to solve all the problems I do feel like this was the least Burnham we got of any of the four episodes. Sure. Right? Yeah, I, I can think, agree with that. Right. I do think that, like, I think the Tilly plot was the A plot, and I think this was the Tilly story. Um, so I think I'm going to give a command. I'll give the full command from things I've seen. And, but, like, we're not sciencing anything here. We're really not. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. and we're really not engineering anything either. Right, we got one scene of Stamets like in the beginning. He didn't even say anything. Um, yeah, okay. They there was a tricorder scene, right? When they they you know to figure out what this creature was, they like got out their tricorder for like ten seconds before. Oh, we gotta shut it off, right? Yeah. So like, I, there's there's no real science or engineering going. So like, I I can't give any part of either of those science or engineering okay okay yeah i feel like this whole episode was um like a, a study in leadership theory right like whether it's um like the the diplomacy type stuff like the negotiation stuff that we see on navarre love it or not um i think we have that and we have like leadership development that's taking place with the cadets. We have leadership development and knowing how to um, uh, know and use the resources of the team, understand the needs and characteristics of the group type stuff going on. Um, Eric's giving a good old chuckle because 
reasons. Yeah, I gave that presentation quite a few times. Yeah, I did too, at one point. Um, <laughs> so I think we have, like, this is, I think, even though there are, like, maybe some gaps um, in places, overall, leadership theory, leadership development, leadership command at different levels in Starfleet, very much on display. So 100%, that command is, is really getting to shine this go around. Now, we we have a little mm, bit of like science, but it's just kind of like a name drop in terms of like, you know, check out like atmospheric and uh, microbial and stuff like as they're spinning out of control in their shuttlecraft. Great. And that's about it. So science, I don't know. I mean, apart from like understanding that, you know, like these worm things are going to get you, like we have to know something about them in the snow and whatnot. So like these worm things are going to get you. So is it a science thing? Is it an engineering thing? I don't know. Like the jury's still out for me on terms of like the, the science and the, the engineering operations kind of stuff. Um, I might be able to give like the, like that division like the engineering slash operations division, a little bit of love just by the fact that, you know, we're, we're having like talks with like Kovics and like we're doing stuff with cadets. So maybe, but it's a reach as far as I'm concerned. So I'm going to have to pass on that one. Pass on grass. So definitely command. So that's, that's what I'm sticking with. Let's roll into um, our, our numerical rating. Okay, numerical rating. So we'll go in reverse order. This time, we'll start with Eric on the numerical rating. And with this, uh, we're on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a complete dumpster fire to 10 being absolutely amazing. Eric, what do you got, bud? Okay, well, I woke up this morning and I looked up. Were you feeling like P. Diddy? No, I, I, yeah, like, listen, when I think of TikTok, I think of the Kesha song, not the little app. But anyway, that's a, that's a proves I'm a different generation than these kids these days. Anyway, I woke up this morning, and I looked on IMDb. I didn't get to watch this episode until this evening. And when I got on there at probably 6.30, 7 o'clock this morning, this episode on IMDb had a 3.8 rating. Now, that was just the early people. It currently sits, as we're recording, with, with 230 votes at a 4.2 and there are a lot of one star ratings like there are a lot of them and there's no justification for that those are just those are just trolls who like oh my god this is so woke are you kidding me with all this crap how, like how dare you do all this like yeah and those we're watching can, it to make sure we still hate it basically those people can gtfo as far as i'm concerned like like i know i'm the type of person that says i don't want to be a gatekeeper but like anyone who's just gonna have that attitude can just can just go as far as i'm concerned um mm -hmm. there's a lot to like in this episode it is by no means a perfect episode I think, honestly, if you just did the Tilly storyline and the the counseling sessions and you took the Michael Burnham, like, 
Navarre thing out of this episode, I think you'd have a really solid, ep- really solid Star Trek episode because you'd have your main A plot and your B plot kind of fits thematically, right? Because we're we've got the counseling sessions with Tilly, she's on a mission, and then we've got more counseling sessions. The Burnham stuff on Navarre just feels tacked on, and this is just one criticism that I've had of the show is that it tries to do so much in every episode. It's like, how much Star Trek can we pack into Star Trek? And so, it it would be, I would give it a lot higher rating if it wasn't for the Burnham stuff. And there's a lot to like. We get a captain's log, right? We get a good away mission, right? There's, There's good stuff, and the counseling sessions are really good, and I think Tilly... You know, as much as I've criticized Tilly, I I think there's some really good insights and there's some good growth from her character here, and I and I do like some of this. Um, I think I'm just gonna give it like a six point eight or something. It would probably be a seven point eight if you took out the Burnham and Navarre stuff, but I think that just really brings it down. Okay. Six point eight for Eric. Yeah. How about you, David? Oh, let's see. Hmm. The, the, this one was. Uh, I, I I would I put forward this this thought, just a thought. I think the premise of the episode is pretty classic. I think if there were some other characters, I think if we put this this episode in Deep Space Nine, I don't think that there would be anybody who necessarily has a problem with it. I think that, um, you know, and to Eric's point, my God, I even read some of these ridiculous comments. And and a lot of them are the, the type of garbage that... It, it, it really it really just looks like a flaming campaign and I and I just don't understand exactly where it's came from it didn't happen last it's like did somebody do some mass deleting last season because anyway uh, but I, I think that the story was good I like the Navarre stuff I I thought that, that was fine um, but I can understand I can understand a lot of uh, a lot of uh, maybe not liking that. I think Tilly finally finding a place and kind of um, and listen, I, it, it, it's not that I, I I hate Tilly. I just I get a little I get a little bit of that cringe sometimes when we do the over talking and the the um, uncertainty. And I and I really kind of wanted her to have a moment where she just had the certainty and I think that came a bit in the mission she she was continually attempting to take command and she did make the potential sacrifice I mean she could have been killed I don't know she wasn't um, and then ultimately she's found somewhere that she can u- hopefully utilize her skills and help out the future which still looks to be in some peril we're still mm-hmm. having problems with planets we're still we're having problems with with right. cadets uh, who haven't uh, well the the uh, I don't remember her name I want to say Sasha the one from Titan yeah Sasha 
so she had even said that before this, this is the first time she'd seen non-humans. She didn't see any non-humans where she was until she left. So I'm glad that she's found a place. I kind of hope that they let her do her thing instead of just trying to force feed it back into what we're doing here. Because uh, I'm a person who likes to see people in their place, you know, just where they are happiest, where they're most connected, most useful, whatever. So I thought that that was good. Um, and I really like the stuff with Culber and Book. And I, and I kind of agree with, with Chase that Culber has kind of become one of my favorite characters in here, despite the fact that the guy is talking about breaking his dead uncle, I think's fingers. What is up with that? Anyway, the, the, the song, uh, I think it was Alan Jackson, propped me up beside the jukebox, you know, just started running in my head as we were talking about it. I was like, oh, okay, anyway. But I, I, th I think overall the, the episode was, was, uh, was decent. But what I, what I kind of um, get a little tripped up on is, is some of the detail stuff. Some of the little, just the little things that just need to be tightened up, and I feel like that needs to, aside from that one person I keep saying that's in the room that was trying to, you know, bring this show out of season three, thankfully, they also kind of need to have somebody in there who's a little bit more focused on, on a little bit on the nerdier details of, of, of Trek. Like, let's value life. That really did kind of irritate me, just mm -hmm. having dead lieutenant. Let's value life here, like we say we do. Um, you know, let, let's just wrap our details up a little bit better. Let's maybe make a captain's log that makes sense for a captain's log, and then switch to personal log if you have to, instead of using that device as an exposition, as opposed to what it is, a log. <laughs> you know? Um, but... I, I don't I don't want to bring it down too much. I, I know Chase, thank you for putting that in our little chat here. The the actual ratings, um, I, I I I don't know if I necessarily liked it a ton more than the last episode, and I, and I gave the last one a seven point two five. I'm I'm. I'm really tempted to give it a 7.25. <laughs> I'm really tempted to just just put it on the same plane because that's kind of where I'm at. I, I don't think I... It, it's, it's a decent episode. It could have been a little better. And then I really would have popped off for it like in the 8s. But it was just like there were a couple things that just weren't meshing. So 7, 7.35 because I want to be different. <laughs> okay. okay. And b b before you go like too further, Chase, I just want to comment like... It, uh, it's not that I, I I did dislike the Burnham stuff. It's not terrible. I dislike the fact that Burnham had to be the person to to like put herself in the middle of it. But I think if you did the exact same storyline, but put it in next week's episode, I think it would be better because it doesn't fit with me in this episode. That was the point I was trying to make. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I came into. Uh, this recording uh, for this episode uh, with a specific number and I might be changing that uh, for my rating. This was an episode that I actually enjoyed. I really enjoyed this episode. Um, there were some things that 
I wish could have been. I mean, we, we I feel like we talk about it all the time, and like I think that's part of the problem with. Like there, I don't want to. Okay, first off, I'm not crapping all over serialized television. Like it might seem I am every single time we do this, but like there are good things about serialized storytelling and there are not so good things about serialized storytelling. And one of the things with serialized is sometimes you have, you know, you how much canvas you have to work with. So that limits what you can and cannot do. And sometimes you, you throw everything in, including the kitchen sink because you have to. And this was approaching the kitchen sink. I think we were like, you know, pulling up the weather stripping, about to yank that sucker out, um, but not quite. Uh, nothing like, nothing like. What was it? Was it? Um, oh last shoot! Was episode, was it last? Yeah. Kitchen sink. Yeah. Last week was like. <laughs> last week was just the kitchen. We were throwing out the kitchen. Yeah. With how much crap was being thrown in last week's episode? Um, Navarre was good ish for me I didn't hate it but um, I don't know it just it just felt a little just a little out of place to me just a little bit um, that being said I I do like the the direction I think I think that Tilly's going I think question mark jury's still out on that I don't want to like say definitively if I like that direction just being an educator myself Um. So the number that I originally came in here with was actually a seven. Um, and I think I'm going to be rolling with like David's old score, seven and a quarter. I like this. I, I enjoyed this episode. Um, this is, I mean, honestly, this is probably an episode that I could see myself sitting down to choose to watch again, like on one of those days. Like, I don't think that that too much about a lot of the discovery episodes, but this is definitely one of them that I really enjoyed. Um, we got some cadets, we got some growth stuff going on. We have like a lot of leadership development going on. Kovich. I mean, come on now. Good old David Cronenberg. Let's go baby. So that's my rating. Um, seven and a quarter for this week's episode. Anyway, that's the show. Everyone. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell if Eric is squinting at me. Oh, I'm looking at I'm looking at IMDb. Okay. He's fully engaged right now. So, anyways, everyone, I can hear you just fine. (laughs) Everyone, thank you so much for for listening to our rambles today uh, with Discovery season four, episode four. And uh, what did you think? What did you think of this episode? Um, the, all the political stuff, the leadership stuff, Tilly and Adira doing their thing. You know, what did you think about Gray um, growing a mullet in a week? I mean, we want to hear about it, okay? Uh, we want to hear about what you thought about this particular episode. Um, you can always interact with us, um, learn more about the show, find ways to support, uh, learn about ways to support the show um, at trtvpod.com. We have a Patreon. Uh, we have merch. I'm going to be uh, coming up with some more shirt designs here in the very near future for y'all to check out. Um, so anyway, um, grow the show, man. Help us grow the show with, um, you know, spread the news on the socials. We are on all the socials at TRTV pod. Um, tell a friend, grab their phone, grab their tablet, steal their laptop and give it back to them, by the way. 
but subscribe them to the show. Tell them about the show. Um, you know, maybe share your favorite episode or something. I don't know. Just tell, grow, help grow the show. That would be fantastic. Um, anyways, if you want to get in contact with us, um, you can op- open up hailing frequencies. Enter in trtvpod at gmail.com. Um, you can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute limit before we spin out of control and end up on an L-class moon. So please prevent that from happening. We don't want to. We don't want to crash. We don't want you to crash. By the way, uh, finally, if you do want to mail us something, you know, like a, I don't know, secret letter about, you know, an unconditional exit to something, that's fine. Make sure you get to the Lone Star Station, PO Box two four five five, Azel, Texas seven six zero nine eight. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this and for joining us. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.